going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by Immaculate Sports, episode 172. Twitter's at Immaculate Sports. Instagram is also at Immaculate Sports. TikTok and YouTube at Immaculate Sports. We'll get there. We will get there. There should be more stuff coming. I'm Honestly, Kyle, I was thinking about even tonight uh, chopping up you know, maybe our playoff predictions and putting like a seven minute video on YouTube. We'll see how it yeah, goes. That'd be dope. I'm down for that. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. 172. Um, and, and you know, it, it's the normal stuff. The, uh, crazy ass football week is behind us. And, uh, now we're on to boxing day, man. Uh, but we do have, uh, some special football stuff coming here, uh, in about 30 minutes. Of course. Of course. We'll get right into our opener though. And my opener is one of the, best openers that I've had in a long time is that, and that's us taking down Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs yesterday on Christmas morning, big win for the Raiders keeps us in playoff contention. I know we need a ton of other things to happen, but we needed this to happen to have a chance. And that's exactly what we, what we got done. Uh, this is the first real time that we've actually, you know, really beaten Mahomes. We, when we beat him a couple years ago in Kansas city, you know, we Mahomes had a great game. Par was with him the whole time, and it was just back and forth the entire game. We won a shootout. This is the first time that I've really felt like we've had a good game plan against him, and you could tell. I mean, he was frustrated the entire game. We stopped the run game, so they weren't running first downs, and we were covering really well. And Malcolm Coons, Max Crosby, you're getting to the quarterback and taking him down, which is exactly what we needed to have happen in order to get a win. Uh, crazy part, our offense was absolutely terrible in this game. We didn't complete a pass after the first quarter, which is ridiculous, only 62 passing yards for Aiden O'Connell. But if you want to look at our offense, you have to circle one guy. And it was Zemir White last night or yesterday with 22 carries, 145 yards, a career day for him with no Jacobs in the game because he was sick and had a quad injury. Zemir White had to take over and man, he did a great job in that. And it's, it's something that, uh, it's not, you know, the greatest, but uh, it probably does mean the end for, for Josh Jacobs because there's, there's no way we're going to pay a running back, you know, 10 to $12 million when you have a guy like Samir White. And that's not even saying Samir White's like this all-pro level guy. It's just that the running back position is super expendable. I keep on getting Burger King ads popping up on my headset out of nowhere. Uh, but let me pause that. Uh, but Samir White... Great game, 145 yards on the ground. Showed that he could probably be the guy in our backfield next year if we really needed him to be. Uh, obviously, we're probably going to see him a lot more, even if Jacobs is healthy these last two games, just to see what we have in Zamir and go from there. But in total, great Christmas morning yesterday. Yeah, I'm happy for you, man. Uh, like you said, you guys didn't just beat them. You beat their ass, uh, including Patrick Mahomes. No question about that. Uh, my team also won over the holiday weekend. Uh, not as great of a win. They they barely beat Washington. But I, I want to focus on Jason Brownlee, the rookie receiver. He got his first career touchdown, eight-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Simeon. Which is great, man. Uh, obviously, this guy's not going to be a superstar or anything. You know, we're looking at a wide receiver four or five spot, hopefully available for him next season. But we have a history of great UDFA pickups, especially receivers. Robbie Anderson, Wayne Corbett, who's a near Hall of Fame receiver a couple of years ago. 
I, I'm just I'm just happy he started over Lazard, who sucks, and he got the job done. Yeah, that's been your guy since the beginning part of the season. Before the season, even in preseason, you're talking about him. And usually, you know, you have this guy, you, you mention them and they don't do anything. And this guy actually did something. So yeah. I was happy for you once I saw Brownlee got that tud. And I'm pretty sure you sent a text into our chat, too, or something like that. So I'm happy Big for day. you on that one. And uh, in total, Skyler, were you happy that you guys won or were you upset that you guys kind of lost that draft position? Yeah, I'm happy they won. Uh, I feel like the only time I was rooting for a loss was when Trevor Lawrence was on the line. Other than that, I don't really care, man. It was Trevor Simeon anyways. It it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fair. Moving on, though, to where's your head at? We've got our normal three things that we're going to start off with with our AFC Top 5, NFC Top 5, and MVP Top 5. A lot of shakeups this week with the Chiefs losing, the Niners losing, the Cowboys losing the, you know, Miami and Baltimore getting big statement victories, Cleveland with a big win. And we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, but getting started with teams outside of the top five in the AFC, anybody that you want to mention, Skyler? Yeah. You know, Cincinnati, uh, even with Jake Browning still alive here with a massive game against Kansas City this week, that one should be fun. And uh, Pittsburgh was Rudolph the guy all along. Just ripped to the AFC South, though. They all lost their really bad yeah it, i was trying to find a spot to you know kick the chiefs out of the top five yeah but you just can't i can't put them over jacksonville i can't put them over the colts i can't put them over the texans or i can't put the texans over them and so forth i said that backwards i can't put the steelers over them can't put the bengals over them unless they beat them this next week and i for sure as hell wasn't going to put the raiders at number five because yeah. that would mean i'm biased as fuck but the number five spot is going to be why I am putting Kansas city. Uh, this is the worst they've looked in a long time. And we talk about how every year they go through these spells where they don't look good. Usually it's between weeks five and 10. They're going through it right now from week 12 to week 16, week 17, at least. And you can't, you can't play shit when you get in the playoffs. And I know technically they haven't even clinched a spot. I think if they lose out and the Raiders went out, we kick them out of their playoff spot and win the division, <laughs> which would be absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy to even say that's possible with two weeks left, but Kansas City can be no higher than the five spot right now, especially with some of the, these other great teams on, on this list. I'm right there with you. I got Kansas City dropping down two spots, embarrassed once again, this time by the Raiders in front of everybody on Christmas. The offense is all out of sync, man. Pacheco's hurt again. He even fell out of the bench, the trainer's bench. That was hilarious, but also sad because that's just how things are going for Kansas City. Uh, They got a lot of work to do if they want to win the AFC again. That's for sure. Yeah. Moving on to number four, I'm going with Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's looked the best that they've been in in pretty much this entire season now at this point. Um, why am I blanking on who they played? But uh, the Chargers, that is on yeah, Saturday night. Yeah. They didn't look the greatest in that game, but they, you know, got off to a slow start and played their way back into that game and won it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like carefree win. It was, but you kind of knew that they were going to have that the entire way out. Uh, anyways, Buffalo, that's three straight wins for them now at this point. Kansas City, Dallas, and then the Chargers. They have the Patriots and the Dolphins finish out the season they lost to the Patriots earlier in the season I think they'll be fine in this one uh and then that will lead us into a big week 18 matchup against the Dolphins uh, 
I got Cleveland jumping up here one spot to the four here. Three wins in a row. Same as Buffalo here uh, after taking care of Davis Mills. Gunslinger Flacco was awesome. It's it's great to watch. They're on fire. Him and Amari Cooper, even Njoku, you know, damn near single-handedly brought me to the fantasy championship this season with his 30 points uh, last week. And uh, legit Super Bowl contenders went healthy. Yeah. And I guess that leads me right into the, to the Browns at my yeah. three spot. And kind of parlaying off what you said, you know, legitimate Super Bowl contenders when healthy, I think they're, you know, probably legitimate Super Bowl contenders right now. And, you know, Joe Flacco, is he a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson? No. But right now, man, that guy just looks like he could do anything in that offense. And their winners are three in a row. Their offense has looked solid in all three games. Their defense is as good as it is the entire season. I know they've kind of been letting up some more points over these last few weeks, but they still got a great group and they're starting to get a little bit more healthy on the back end as well, too. So I like this Browns team right now. I have them as the third best team in the AFC. All right. I got Miami here at the three spot up a spot from last week. Beat Dallas. It was a good win, but now waddles out. I imagine they're going to get smacked at Baltimore next week. Uh, things are just a little tougher for them uh, than they are for the the teams I have at the top here. Yeah. I have Miami. Yeah, yeah, I got Miami <laughs> in the two spot. So they, I believe it's the same spot that I had them in last week. No, I had them in three. So Kansas City was my in my two. They obviously moved way down. Uh, and Miami jumps in in the two spot. Wasn't pretty against you know the Cowboys, but. It, Battled injuries in that game specifically. Obviously, you know, Hill was injured going into the game. Mostert got hurt during the game. Waddle got hurt during the game. And they found a way to get it done. Tua didn't have his greatest game, but he played good enough. And their defense, I think, was probably the biggest, you know, standout in this game. And and holding the Cowboys at 20 points, something that, you know, not a lot of teams have done this entire season. Miami's playing as good as football as they've played in the entire year. If you take out that one, you know, shitty game against the Titans where they just lost the last two minutes, horrendously, it would have been six straight wins. I like this team right now. They're beating, they just beat a good team. I think that's the biggest thing. Will they beat Baltimore? Probably fucking not, though. Baltimore looks pretty damn good. So I do have Buffalo sticking here at the two spot from last week. Maybe if Miami was 12 and three, they would get the two spot. I, I just, I, I can't, um, I don't know, give them that break that, that you see. Cause I've, I've seen them twice this year. Um, but anyways, let's get into the positives here. Buffalo uh, escape the chargers here. Almost said the Clippers by a field goal. That's three in a row. And they beat Miami by 28 earlier this season when they're at full strength. So I think Buffalo's going to be okay. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting if Baltimore beats Miami this week and Buffalo beats New England. We have week 18 Buffalo versus Miami for the division, which is going to be really cool to see. We'll see how the other games shape up, but that might be, you know, the game that they want to put on Sunday night football that week, which would obviously be a great game. Mm -hmm. My number one team, though, in the AFC, that is going to be the same one for Skyler as well, too, has to be the Baltimore Ravens without a doubt. They're 12 and three. They have a chance to wrap up the conference this this weekend against Miami. They just destroyed the Niners. I know, you know, people are gonna say, well, you know, Purdy was hurt, Trent Williams was hurt. It doesn't matter. The game was over at that point. 
there's no reason you can't say the Ravens aren't the best team in football right now. And that's exactly what I'm going to say. They are the best team in football. 12 and three for the Ravens here at the top. They demolished San Francisco last night. The defense is elite. Lamar's taking care of the football. It just seems different from the last time they went on a playoff run. And I feel like the numbers back this up too. If the Ravens can make it to the Super Bowl without losing any more offensive weapons, then they should win pretty easily. They've been destroying these NFC teams for the past five years. Yeah. And I know we'll talk uh, more about Lamar specifically once we get to the MVP conversation, but with the way how he played last night is exactly how you would play in a playoff game with him. His ability, he was running more than we've like, I wouldn't say seen because he's only had seven carries, but how he was running the ball and what, you know, determined him to run the ball was equivalent to what would be like a playoff scenario where he's escaping the sack, missing another guy and moving around, you know, great defenders to go ahead and, you know, put them in field goal range and go win the game for them on third downs. Obviously. Yeah. And third downs in big spots. And this was with, you know, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill really not doing jack shit with the ball in their hands. Say Flowers, big game as well last night, too. I think that should definitely be given a shout out. And then their defense, you know, forcing five interceptions on an offense that hasn't really had any hiccups this entire season. So shout out to the Ravens. Best team in football right now. We will move on to the NFC. Why don't have any honorable mentions? Uh, I'll shout out Tampa Bay. They're on fire. They killed Jacksonville. Uh, a pick I had on the on the podcast last week. So yeah, yeah. Five spot for me is going to be where I put the Los Angeles Rams. Another victory on Thursday up against the Saints. The only loss in the last six games has been against the Ravens in Baltimore, and they probably played Baltimore the best that we've seen anybody play Baltimore in this last you know two three month span. Now at this point, the Rams. I mean, even that game against the Saints, they kind of made it closer than what it seemed at the end. Kind of same thing that happened against the commanders the week before they got a game against the giants this next week. That's must win. And then the Niners week 18. Oh, I mean, if the Niners wrap up the conference, I think that game might be a bit easier because you're probably playing Sam Darnold and, you know, probably not CMC, probably not Debo, probably not Kittle, maybe not Ayuk, probably not Trent Williams. But if the Niners need that game, the Rams are probably fucked and they'll probably be cheated out of a playoff spot, but Rams in the five spot for now for me. Yeah. Same here, man. Eight and seven, uh, but five out of the last six, like you said. So we can't move them down because they pretty much control their own destiny here with a win against the giants. Um, unless like we talked about San Francisco has to play everyone in that last game where, you know, someone like Minnesota ends up beating Detroit in the last week, something like that. But The Rams uh, are on fire, man. Great offense. Yeah. Moving on to the four spot is going to be where I put Philly. Got back on track after three straight losses to the Niners, Cowboys, and Seahawks. A 33-25 victory against the Giants. However, that win was not impressive. And obviously a lot of people watched it because it was on Christmas. This team just does not resemble anything of what it was last year. And it's really weird because it has all the same players so the only thing that's missing is the coordinators on both sides of the ball, of course, with Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. And and it's a very, you know, palpable difference that we can see. And it maybe I know uh, I think it was Julian Love that said in the offseason and then backed it up a couple weeks ago saying that Sirianni is 
really just not doing jack shit and all the players are doing the work. I think we're seeing that quite a bit right now. And I know, you know, probably some a little bit of a disappointing season from Jalen Hurts and a couple of guys on the defense. But this roster's got it. They just got to get clicking in the next two weeks or else this team has zero chance to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, also got Philly uh, at the four spot here. Same order as last week for me for the NFC. I just don't trust them. Maybe these tune-up games against Arizona and the Giants will get them ready for the playoffs. Maybe we'll see something from Sirianni. Or maybe it's just about making sure everyone's healthy once they actually get there. That's the only upside here with Philly. Yeah. And the upside is for Philly is that they're probably going to have the division now with playing the next two games against pretty shitty teams. And Dallas, my number three team, having to play Detroit's uh, who I've not mentioned yet is obviously pretty high on my list this next week on Saturday night football, which is freaking awesome. By the way, it's yeah. going to be a fun game, but the Cowboys, my three team, they lost this week against the dolphins back to back losses now with the bills and the dolphins and they punted the division. And I know they're higher than the Eagles as far as is this team better than this team right now, but it's looking scary when it, when it comes down to the playoff spot. Cause I mean, you win that first game against Tampa or New Orleans, whoever you're playing, if you're the five seed, and then you go to the Niners. And that's how their season has, has ended these past two years. And they got killed by them earlier this year. It's going to be pretty tough for them to go into Santa Clara and get a victory. So mm-hmm. unfortunate for Dallas. However, I still have them as my three spot in the NFC. Yeah, so same here. I got Dallas sticking at the three spot. We knew Miami would be a tough one. It just didn't go the way they wanted here. That's two in a row. But Dak and the Cowboys are 7-0 and at home. They just need a lucky draw on the playoffs for a shot here. Yeah. Number two is going to be where I put the Detroit Lions winning the NFC North for the first time in their team history, which just seems crazy to even think about. Good win against the Vikings. It wasn't the prettiest game. Uh, Probably a game where if there's no Hawkinson, no Addison, you should probably beat the Vikings led by Nick Mullins by a bit more than what you actually did. But they got the victory in Minnesota. Divisional team. Tough game regardless of who's playing. It's always going to be a close one. They got the Cowboys on Saturday night, which doesn't really determine too much, honestly, except for maybe being the two... two seed or the three seed, but you're probably going to play the same teams regardless. And then they got the Vikings week 18. So good job of the Detroit lions locking up the division, sitting at 11 and a four in a really good spot. Yeah. A lot of NFC teams losing this week helps out Detroit for sure. And uh, Nick Mullins also throwing four picks, helped them out a lot. Uh, it's a big game for that backfield at Dallas for, uh, you know, possible better seeding here. I just don't think it's going to happen, but they've been awesome running the ball. So they're, they're going to stick here at the two spot. Yeah. Number one, still going to be the Niners. I know they lost, they got destroyed, but this is the first time that we've seen them actually be vulnerable in the last two months. Now at this point, ever since they you know lost the Bengals Vikings and the Browns earlier in the season, but they got two tune-up games pretty much against the Commanders. There's no way that they don't score like 50 points against that Commanders defense, which is good for you, but also scary for you because you have Purdy, but you're facing CMC in this fantasy yeah. championship game. And then they got the Rams in Week 18, which they probably should win, especially since it's a regular season game. 
the Niners, I'm not stressing about them. They're going to get the one seed most likely unless we see a total collapse from them. They're going to get the bye. They're going to get a chance to get healthy. And then they're going to be playing at home throughout the entire entirety of the playoffs. I would like to see how Detroit would match up with them. I feel like that's a pretty intriguing offensive matchup. I know that one thing that the Niners have really struggled with over the years is mobile quarterbacks. And we saw that last night Mm -hmm. with Lamar Jackson, but you would think how Detroit plays, they would have, if things go right for them, they would have the ability to beat the Niners as well too. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But as of right now, I don't think you can put anybody except for the Niners in the one spot. Yeah, I think the Niners have earned this one this year, no matter how we finish. It was a really tough one to watch against Baltimore, but they're 9-1 in the conference this year. Uh, Like you said, Washington should be easy. Week 18 has a potential to be an amazing game against the Rams, but they're not going anywhere for now. Moving on to our MVP top five. I don't have anybody in my honorable mentions together. Do you? I do have a couple of guys here. A couple quarterbacks who will get votes like we talk about every week. Tua, Brock Purdy, Josh Allen, and one more defensive player, uh, Mr. Quincy Williams of the Jets. The only player in the NFL with 100-plus tackles, 15-plus TFLs, 10 deflections, and an interception. Mm. That man will be an all-pro this season, and I'm so hyped about it. Uh, my five spot, I just went with the flurry of quarterbacks. I went with Tua, I went with Brock, I went with Jared Goff, I went with uh, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen. So five guys, yeah. get the fifth spot. All right, my five spots going to another defensive player, TJ Watt. Strip sack, massive win against Cincinnati that keeps the playoff hopes alive. Yeah. My fourth spot is going to go to TJ Watt. 17 sacks leads the league now, eight passes deflected, yeah. one interception, four forced fumbles. The stats continue. They get a big victory. If they win against Seattle and win against the Ravens, they're going to be in the playoffs. And TJ Watt definitely deserves to be in the conversation for MVP if that shitty team in Pittsburgh gets in. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four here, we got Tyree Kill of Miami. Another 100-yard game in the win against Dallas after the injuries. Um, probably won't get it because he's not going to hit 2,000 yards, but it's uh, not a season we've seen very often in the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, Tyreek Hill has fallen off my MVP ladder because of the injury, because he's not getting 2,000 yards. It's really tough to put a guy like that, even though he deserves to be on this list. You just know that's not how it's going to go. So my Miami resent- representative is Raheem Mostert because he has 21 touchdowns this season and he's got nearly 1200 yards. He's been super efficient when the ball is in his hands. Mostert just scores every single week and it's, it's really tough to ignore him, you know, not being in this conversation. So Raheem, you are on the team of the MVP ladder. Did you know actually that Raheem Mostert was a Miami dolphin in 2015? No. He played one game with them. Probably wasn't Paul against us. Right now. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get a carry until <laughs> four teams later, but he was wow. on Miami in 2015, I guess. Okay, respect. Uh, I don't have Mostert on my list, sorry. But, but the next guy at number three here is Lamar Jackson of the Ravens. The numbers don't jump off the page, so he's probably not going to win at the end of the day. 
but he's been much better this season. He knows when to throw the ball away. He's leading the hottest team in the NFL with some questionable pieces outside of Zay Flowers, and uh, it's pretty fun to watch, too. Yeah. My number two is going to be CMC. 21 total touchdowns. He got another one last night. Just shy of 2,000 total yards. He's the most efficient player on the best offense in football. CMC, ridiculously talented, great player. He's my number two. All right. Well, I got a bit of a shocker here for you. My number two is going to be Dak Prescott still from the Cowboys. He's been the most consistent quarterback in the NFL this year, despite the two tough losses in a row. He's first in passing touchdowns with 30. If it's a quarterback that wins the award this year, it's going to be him. This is a weird year in MVP because I feel like this is the year that stats really don't give us jack shit as far as who should win the MVP. And in a sense, that's because these QBs who have had, you know, MVP conversation seasons have had these blow up games out of nowhere and they just completely suck in one or two games and they just skew all their numbers to the point where it's just like, oh, these stats don't really, you know, look the greatest anymore. And then they have these great games and put them right back in the MVP conversation. When I look at the guy who's been the most consistent at doing the same thing every single game and helping his team win, especially last night, man, Lamar has to be the MVP right now for me. He, without a doubt, was the most valuable player on the field yesterday. He was making plays that, you don't see any other quarterback make in the way that he was escaping the pocket on third and long, rolling out left, still trying to find a guy to throw to, doesn't find anybody, runs downfield, jukes out the best linebacker in football, jukes out another one of the best linebackers in football, and dives forward to get 30 yards on the play. It's just stuff that no other, no person in the NFL can do that. And Lamar is... You know, he's not having the sexiest season comparative to when he won the MVP in 2019 because he doesn't have he's not going to have the 36 touchdowns and the, you know, over a thousand rushing yards. But we you just look at how this guy plays. He passes the eye test and that's what it's come down to for me at this point. All right. Um, I, I don't disagree with your eye test. That's uh, definitely going to help him out in the voting. I do have McCaffrey at the top spot, though. It's the most carries in the league. It's the most rushing yards. It's 21 touchdowns, 1,900 all-purpose. The closest comparison to McCaffrey season is 2,000 Marshall Falk, who, as a running back, led an undrafted free agent quarterback, Kurt Warner, to the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. something that could happen again here. I think he's the best player in the league. And a season where running backs were supposed to be irrelevant, I think that helps, too. No. Anyways, moving on to (laughs) Are They Dead? Something that we kind of haven't done in a few weeks. Just because it it gets a little weird here where it's like, oh, well, they technically aren't dead, but they got a chance and the chance is jack shit. But the teams that I have dead so far, and I believe Skylar is pretty much the same ones dead, uh, is Carolina, New England, Arizona, the Giants, the Bears, the Titans, the Packers, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Jets, the Raiders, and the Bengals. 
With that being said, okay. I realize I didn't put the commanders on this list, so the yeah. commanders are easily dead. Yes. Uh, I have New Orleans as dead, I think, now at this point. It's coming down to where they got to win next this week against the Bucks, and they got to win next week against another team in order to win the division. That's their only way in pretty much. And Tampa Bay just pretty much has to win one game, I'm pretty sure. So I, mm-hmm. I do have New Orleans as dead. Okay. Do you have that as well? Yeah, I, uh, I have an odd uh, grouping here. So okay. I, I guess I'll just get into this one group then. Mm-hmm. I have a group of Atlanta, New Orleans, and the Raiders as they're, you know, they're not technically out of the race, way. but one loss would immediately kill them. My next team I want to talk about is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're eight and seven. They currently are, you know, tied record wise with the Colts that have the seven spot right now. However, this team's dead. They play Seattle next week and then they play the Ravens the week after that. They're not winning those games, especially with Mason Rudolph at the helm. And I know they had, you know, an offensive outburst this last game against the Bengals, but since he doesn't impress me right now either. That's why I ruled him dead when, you know, Burrow got hurt a few weeks ago. Mm. I didn't kill Pittsburgh yet, but Cincinnati, I have a little, uh, I guess, asterisk next to them. Technically, if they beat Kansas City, they would, they wouldn't be dead anymore. Yeah. Next up, I have Denver as dead. This team is seven and eight. They just lost a game that they needed to win really badly in order to have their chances go up in the playoffs is three losses in four games. Now at this point, chargers and Raiders to end out the season, but I don't really think even if they win both of those games that they have a huge chance to get in. Denver's dead. You cannot lose to new England. Yeah. And then the last team I have dead, <laughs> even though they're currently in a playoff spot, isn't the Indianapolis Colts because this team just got blown out to the Falcons. They played the Raiders and the Texans end the season. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose out. This team is not good. They have a shitty defense. Their offense isn't putting up crazy numbers either. I don't think they find a way in unless we see Jacksonville and Houston just absolutely turn into mush these next two weeks. You know, I kind of think all three of them are mush right now, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. So I haven't killed any of them. Sure. And I do have one more team. I can't remember if you mentioned them in the first grouping, Minnesota. Mullins tried his best, but they're Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't put them in. I think I probably... Oof. Actually, yeah, all of them dead too. So moving on, but keeping it in the realm of football, we are doing some playoff predictions. However, we're doing it if the season ended today. So in that case, we have the one through seven seed going like this in the AFC, where Baltimore is the one, Miami's the two, Kansas City is the three, Jacksonville is four, Cleveland is five, Buffalo is six, and Indy is seven and i guess we'll just start off with the afc first wild card weekend the first game that we have is the colts versus miami skyler how does this play out (laughs) indianapolis has no shot against miami in this one count yeah i i think uh indianapolis if they make the playoffs is similar to when miami made the playoffs in 2016 i want to say when matt moore was starting and he went into Pittsburgh and they just kind of played a game where they knew they weren't going to win. And of course they lost that one, but uh, 
Miami pulls out this one quite easily. I think there's no chance Indianapolis would stop the Miami defense or Miami offense. That is kind of whatever they want to do, passing, running, whatever it is. And then the Colts offense isn't keeping up because Miami's defense has played shockingly well over these last few weeks as well, too. Next up, a fun matchup here. Buffalo goes into Kansas City with the six and the three matchup. Yeah, I'm going to have Buffalo winning this one again for the second time this season. I think they're better all around. They figured out how to run the ball without hurting Josh Allen. And I don't trust Kansas City at all right now. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same page. I'm picking Buffalo to win this one. If the season ends today and these teams are playing next week, I don't think there's any chance we see Kansas City win the game. But James Cook has been running the ball the best that he has in his entire career. Josh Allen is starting to look locked in to the point where he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Uh, Diggs, Gabe Davis, mm. they're up and down, but Josh Allen, all he has to do is find them. And I think with how Kansas City's offense is and Buffalo's defense, I think they win that side of the ball as well, too. Last one in wild card weekend, we have number five, Cleveland heading to Jacksonville to play the Jags. How does this play out? Yeah, Flacco doesn't go one and done, Kyle. You know this. Once he gets on a playoff run, there is no stopping him. So he's going to take care of Jacksonville here, who looks horrific, even when guys are playing. Yeah, uh, I'm taking Cleveland in this game without a doubt. Jacksonville's team's banged up. I know Cleveland is as well, too, but they've been playing their best football in the entire season right now, and they've got a lot of impressive wins. This one probably wouldn't even strike the top five. In the divisional round, we have the same matchups. Mm-hmm. We have first off number five Cleveland staying on there, um, going to Miami to play the Dolphins. This is a more interesting matchup than the last one. A high-powered offense versus one of the best defenses in the league. How does this play out? I think Cleveland should win this game. Um, <laughs> that sounds pretty crazy to say out loud. A couple of weeks ago, I didn't think this team should be anywhere near the top five of the AFC, but they've somehow figured out a way where the defense is so good that Flacco can do basically whatever he wants. And until they lose one of these games, I'm going to keep picking Cleveland. Miami has had some of those hiccups recently. Cleveland, not as much. Yeah. I'm taking Cleveland as well, too, in this game. <laughs> I don't think there's a way that Tua can really decipher this defense. And there's, we've seen in the past against top ranked defenses, Tua just has a, a tougher time in, you know, obviously it makes sense, has a tougher time to dissect good defenses. But with the defense like Cleveland, I just don't think he plays well. And there's probably going to be a defensive touchdown in the game. And Joe Flacco is going to throw a Hail Mary at the end of the second quarter. And it's going to work because that's how things go for Joe Flacco, especially when it's late January. Next up, other divisional game. This is a matchup that we saw a few years ago reversed where it was Baltimore heading to Buffalo, but we have Buffalo heading to Baltimore, the one seed in this uh, scenario here. How does this play out? This is going to be the best matchup of the playoffs if we get it this season. And I, I think that home field advantage is going to help Baltimore out a lot here. I have them winning probably a close game, high scoring, I just kind of trust Lamar a little more than Josh Allen to not have a complete blow-up game. And that's why I'm going with Baltimore. Yeah, I definitely agree in the sense that it is 
going to be the best matchup, at least in the AFC, that we would see all playoffs. This is two teams that are playing their best football right now. And I think besides Miami and Cleveland, there's not a lot of teams playing their best football in the league right now. So give me Baltimore. Right now, I know Buffalo's been good, but Baltimore's just got it going on. And after what they did last night, maybe it's recency bias, whatever it is. I can't pick against them right now. Conference championship game. I didn't think that we'd have the same matchup, but we do. We have yeah, Cleveland so. <laughs> going into Baltimore. Skyler, can Joe Flacco take down his old team and head into the Super Bowl? Well, Cleveland has beat Baltimore once this season. I don't have it happening here. Again, hey, maybe it's recency bias. We just saw Baltimore destroy who we thought was the best team in the league, but... Baltimore, in this hypothetical scenario, is going to completely take Amari Cooper out of the game, and that's going to destroy everything Cleveland planned. So Baltimore is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, These two teams have played twice this year already, so we're not going to see them the rest of the regular season. Uh, first time, Baltimore handled them, 28-3. The next game was a bit more flukier. We, had, we saw some weird things happen, and Cleveland won in Baltimore, 33-31. to You know who wasn't playing in both of those games, though? Still sitting on his couch was Joe Flacco. If there's one place in the world that Joe Flacco would be comfortable playing, yeah, it's in Baltimore. And for that reason, Joe Flacco and the Browns are going to the Super Bowl. I would love that. It'd be crazy. I don't think there would be anybody anti-Flacco unless you know he obviously beat you or something, but. Maybe the, the Flacco Patriots. Super Bowl run would be <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the NFC side. Now, I'll list those seeds that we currently have. Uh, it's the one-seeded Niners, the two-seeded Eagles, the three-seeded Lions, four-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers, five-seeded Dallas Cowboys, six-seeded LA Rams, and the seven-seeded Seattle Seahawks. And those will likely be the seven teams that we see in, in the NFC anyways. AFC, we probably probably see a bit of a change around with seven spot, but the NFC, I think it's pretty fair to say that it's going to be these, these seven teams. Mm -hmm. That being said, the first matchup that we have is the Seattle Seahawks going to face the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the game that we saw two, two weekends ago. Uh Uh, It was obviously flipped (laughs) around where they were playing in Seattle, but this was also a matchup that we saw. I want to say four or five years ago. I think was it Mark Sanchez or Josh McCown that started that game for Philly? They got wrecked by like that weird, yeah. yeah, weird offensive game there. How do you think this plays out? I think Philly's going to get them back here. Obviously, um, they didn't look too good in Seattle, but they're going to get their first ever win against Pete Carroll. If they don't, man, I don't know what to say. I don't. I mean, Philly should take these two weeks and, like I said, just get as healthy as possible. And go back to what you were doing in the beginning of the season because they are not worse than Seattle. My uh, my pick here is Philly. That's not even close. I wanted to kind of gas it up and make it a little bit suspenseful, but there's I don't think Seattle wins this game in Philly. I think what they had a few weeks ago was kind of lightning in a bottle, and it was a fluky game where we saw some you know great interceptions. Uh, by Julian Love specifically in that game, but it's not super replicable in in a playoff scenario, especially when you're playing in Philly. You know, you can't really make a ton of mistakes. And I think Philly plays her game and gets the job done in that one. So moving on, 
fun one in this one, actually. Six versus three. We have the L.A. Rams travel into Detroit to face the NFC North champion Detroit Lions. The Rams already got theirs, man. It's time for Detroit to win a playoff game. Um, hasn't happened in a long time. I am excited to see them. I hope we don't get, um, you know, a recycling vision, I guess, of the Ravens game where they got killed. Chicago two times where they couldn't stop them in the fourth quarter. Um, because uh, once again, they're a better team than the Rams and this should be exciting. Um, but I talked about this with Sham a little bit. It's Detroit's time, man. Yeah. This would be an emotional game. Uh, for not just Detroit being in the playoffs and hosting a playoff game at Ford Field, but it's Stafford going back to Detroit. And it's Jared Goff going up against his former team in the playoffs. They're, they're both sides. It's emotionally drawn. And man, there's there's no fucking way Detroit loses this game. That, that stadium would be the, one of the loudest environments that we've ever seen in, in playoff football. It's going to be bumping in there. I actually can't. I can't wait until Detroit gets their home playoff game, whether if it's against the Rams or Seattle, or actually it's probably only against those two teams. Maybe Dallas. We'll see. Actually, I don't know. But regardless, I want to see this game, especially if it's the Rams going into Detroit, and I'm picking Detroit without a doubt. Next up is a matchup that we saw last year. And I believe we just saw on the Thursday night one year to open the season. Mm-hmm. It's Dallas going into Tampa Bay. Five versus four seed. How does this play out, Skyler? Dallas should win this one pretty easily. I like what Dallas has done this regular season. Like we've talked about every week. It doesn't seem like the same old one and done Dallas. However, Tampa Bay is a sneaky team. If they got to match up with a Detroit or a Philly on an off day. I think that would be more likely to happen, just not against Dallas. Yeah. I like Tampa. I What Baker's done these past few weeks specifically is some of the best football that he's played in his entire career. And he's had, he's having comparable numbers to the point where he, you know, led the Browns to the playoffs in mm-hmm. the COVID season. Won a game. Probably, probably going to end up also going to the pro bowl as well too, with how these things work is probably the fourth QB fifth QB in the NFC and gets in. This game is going to be track me. I think I don't, there, there's not a ton of defense in this game. I know there's playmakers on both sides, but I think with these two offenses, it kind of shows past that and Dallas gets the victory. Same as last year. Moving on to the divisional round though. We have the same teams again, uh, Starting off with Detroit going to Philly. This is a, this is a toss-up game, man. How does it yeah. go? I'm going to take Philly. Um, I assume they're going to get off the schneid here, figure it out offensively, and put up a lot of points against Detroit. Philly hasn't played well this season. There's there's no other way to go around that they the record's good. They're 11 and four. They have great players, but they just haven't played complete football the same way that they did last year. Maybe they were just better last year and that that's what it is. I don't think they beat this Detroit team, especially if they're just coming off a victory in Ford field at home in Detroit. The run game of Detroit is something that would transfer the most to the postseason type football where you can just give it to Montgomery and Gibbs as much as they possibly can, because you have two backs that are really damn good, uh, and then you got a, a QB that you trust 
And I know Goff has had some bad games this year, but I believe in him. And he's going to find a way in this one. I say Detroit gets the victory, man. Be a fun one, though. Yeah. And then Dallas versus SF. That happens every year now, I guess. Yeah. I really wanted to do it. I just couldn't get myself to how badly they beat down on the Cowboys this year. So San Francisco... Again, that one seed coming into play back-to-back years, they're going to advance to the conference championship pretty easily here. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's as easy as the game that happened earlier this season. Yeah. But the Niners probably still win by two touchdowns in this game. Moving on to the conference championship. Skyler has Philly at SF this year. I have Detroit at the Niners. How does this play for you? I looked for every possible reason that I could pick Philly. So I, I didn't have the same pick as everybody online after that game last night. But I think San Francisco was such a, a, a much better team this season. They don't have a, as many games as Jalen Hurts has had this year where it's no touchdowns, three picks. I guess basically what Purdy did last night. Hurts has done five times this year. And that shit will not stand in the playoffs. You will not win with a game like that. That's why I don't have Josh Allen or Hurts advancing. I have Detroit versus San Francisco, as I said earlier. When I look at the offenses of these two teams, it's two great offenses. Obviously, the Niners probably got a bit of the edge, but when it comes to defenses, it's really not close. And I think as easy as it will be for the Niners to score on Detroit, it's not going to be easy the other way around because the run game or the run defense for the Niners is probably the best aspect of their defense and that's the aspect that's going to have to win Detroit the games if they want to to go deep in this playoffs. And I don't think it happens here. I think the Niners go to the Super Bowl again. That sets up uh, a Baltimore versus SF. Little rematch. <laughs> little rematch for you. I also have a little bit of a rematch myself. The Browns versus the Niners. Joe Flacco. Yeah. How does, how, how does Ravens versus Niners play out for you? So, I have Baltimore winning again. Baltimore's been so freaking good this year. And I'm going to, I guess, say Andrews will be back for this game. And that helps a lot, too. We include quarterback when we talk about complete teams' efficiencies. And Brock Purdy just hasn't been as efficient as Lamar these past couple weeks. Lamar's going to win the MVP. Three touchdowns, 80 on the ground. You know, the script calls for this matchup or Cleveland. I'm okay with that, too. And after that, my my brain is leaning towards Baltimore here. If you've seen the uh, the color logo of the Super Bowl, purple and uh, and dark red. Makes sense. And yeah. Baltimore's going to win again. Yeah, uh, I'm cool with that. I think Lamar won an MVP with the Super Bowl. So that is that year as well, too. Well, Honestly, propel him into all-time great kind of status where you yeah. win two MVPs and you have the Super Bowl. The stats are tough to ignore. And it's like only Favre and Manning. <laughs> yeah, Brady. and Mahomes. You know, yeah. there's a uh, my Super Bowl though. Cleveland versus SF. It's Joe Flacco versus the team that he beat in the Super Bowl over ten years ago, and he's gonna do it again. 
and he's gonna do it again. This is a, these two teams played earlier in the year, and I know it was completely different rosters. Yeah, they're playing. It was PJ Walker that beat the Niners, and it was no Trent Williams, and there was no Debo in this game, and you know, they'll probably have him in the Super Bowl realistically, but. If Joe Flacco just went through the one seed and he just took down Miami and he just took down Jacksonville, he's not going to lose the Niners. He's there to finish it out and right off into the sunset as a Hall of Famer. 100%. I mean, even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl this year, this year has got to have so much impact on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely boosting his passing yards, that's for sure. He just had 300 alone to Amari Cooper this past week. But I got Cleveland winning it. And for the sake of why not, Joe Flacco, Super Bowl MVP. Bet. I'd be, I'd be okay with that, too. Yeah. Last thing that we got here before we move on to our bets is NBA playoff team predictions. So we're, I, I just have eight teams in each league. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's how I went about this. Starting off in the Eastern Conference, the three locks that I definitely have, without a doubt, these teams, anything can happen. They're still given is Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. I think you have those as well, too. Yeah. Uh, next team I have is Miami. Mm-hmm. After that, I have Orlando. The Knicks, who are 17-12, big Christmas, Christmas victory against the Bucks yesterday. And then you get into a weird spot where you get those playing teams and you're not really too sure who gets in with Cleveland going through all the things that they are right now. I kept them out of it. Uh, so that bumps Indiana up one spot into their you know playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And then it was between the Bulls, the Cavs and the Nets for the last spot. And there's no way the Bulls are getting in. And I'm saying the Bucks or not the Bucks, the, the Nets get in. I agree with you here. Um, so I have the Nets actually going above Indiana. The defense has been so bad, they're bound to make a couple trades for cap, too. It's possible they lose Miles Turner. And I, I feel a similar way about Cleveland, too. Possible Donovan Mitchell trade, but I'm going to keep them at the eight spot. And then in the West, the three top teams right now, I think, are definitely getting in. Minnesota, Denver, OKC. Those seem to be... It's crazy to say, but the three top teams in in the West right now, even though there's a lot of great rosters in this side of the league. Next up, I put Sacramento in. Whether they keep the four spot or not is undetermined, but I think they'll definitely get in. I have Dallas in there, and I know you do as well, too. Mm -hmm. And then it gets a little bit interesting because you have three spots for the Clippers, Pelicans, Rockets, Lakers, Warriors, Suns. Six teams that, you know, are legitimately solid teams. And I know the record hasn't really shown that for the Lakers, Warriors, and Suns this year. But you got to imagine those are the three teams that get in. So that's exactly what I did. I left the Pelicans out. I left the Rockets out. I left the Clippers out. And I put the Lakers, Warriors, and Suns in. Okay. Okay. I uh, agree with some of what you've said there. I'm going to end up going with Clippers, Pelicans, because Zion's been healthy until he's not. I'm okay with them, and the Lakers are going to get in instead of the Warriors. I hate to do it, but um, I do. I don't trust anything we're doing right now. It, it hurts to watch. They take really bad shots. They're undersized, but I like that they're starting to change some rotational things. Usually, Steve Kerr's pretty stubborn about that. Mm. Um, I just got some games recently, though. 
They have. They have. Mm-hmm. Trace Jackson Davis and Pajemski have been doing their thing, man, trying to keep us afloat. But um, We had a rough four-game stretch coming up. Oh, my gosh. Miami, Dallas, Orlando, Denver. Shh. All at home, but... Oh. Yeah, man. Honorable, ben- oh, honorable mention to the Rockets. I have the Rockets and Warriors losing in that play-in. Uh, it's a pretty deep conference this year, like it usually is. Anyways, yeah. moving on <laughs> to the second half. Actually, I forgot about that. Uh, Scaler, go ahead and get into what you got. All right, so the draft order has changed once again here after another week of the NFL season. So I got a little mock draft for you. I got a top 10, plus I'll show you your Raiders pick and um, try to explain and how it ties into what's happening with the team. So number one, I got Caleb Williams once again here to the Bears. Um, Again, you know, Fields hasn't been bad, but he's been around the 20th best quarterback. And when you have a chance to get, um, you know, franchise-altering player for cheap, teams do that. That happens. Okay. (laughs) Number two, Arizona. Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Perfect. Him and Kyler should uh, fit right in. I have no problem with that, even though he's a receiver. That's the era we're in now. Number three, Washington. Some teams have thought about a quarterback. Again, maybe things will change once we figure out who's going to be the coach of these teams. Um, I have Olufashanu, the tackle. I think that's the most important thing. Sam Howell's not terrible. It could be kind of a, a bridge year. And maybe they can go eight and nine instead of, you know, four and whatever again with a good offensive line. So uh, that leads Drake May to the Patriots. Perfect for them. Uh, again, if Bill checks there or not, um, Drake May is a great player. They may have to trade up a spot, but, um, you know, a little Trubisky action. But Drake May is nothing like Trubisky. It's all good. Number five, the Giants. I uh, talked with a Giants fan today, Josh. He said he preferred O line over receiver. So I'm going to give him Joe Alt, big tackle from Notre Dame, because Danny Dimes is going to be there, whether you like it or not. He's getting paid a lot of money. Keep him afloat. Number six here, the Chargers got a lot of problems. But once again, I'm sticking with Kool-Aid McKinstry, the top corner in the class. Um, Edge play has been pretty good, so I didn't go Dallas Turner. But I ended up giving Dallas Turner to Tennessee here at number seven. Uh, I didn't love the O-lineman. I didn't love Malik Neighbors to that team. Uh, It was a weird fit. They got a pretty old defense. May have to trade some guys or tag them. So I have Dallas Turner. They get their pick at the top edge in the class. Number eight, Chicago, easy pick for them. Malik Neighbors, receiver. They don't need a no tackle. They just traded for a bunch of defensive guys. Get your quarterback and your receiver of the future. Number nine, the freaking Jets. J.C. Latham, the right tackle from Bama. Easy fix. And uh, you don't have to give, you know, I don't even want to think of what kind of tackles. Lyle Collins, however many millions he wants. And number 10, Jaden Daniels to Atlanta. I know you don't like to hear it, but as of right now, I feel more comfortable giving Atlanta a quarterback because we all know Arthur Smith is on the hot seat, or at least it's warming up, mm-hmm. and they're ready to win now. Uh, I'll, I'll shout out number 11, Brock Bowers to the Saints. They're a big um, best player available team, and Taysom Hill hasn't been getting used that much for some reason, so might as well get a real tight end in the building. Uh, so we'll go over to the Raiders at 13. Not a splashy pick. I have Johnny Newton, the D tackle from Illinois. I like the recent corner play, and this is the best run stopper in the class, the top D tackle 
I think there's a chance the Raiders do a similar thing. Once we find out who the quarterback, sorry, not the quarterback, who the GM and the head coach are going to be, I may be more likely to stick a Michael Penix Jr. in there, but I have no idea. So I'm going best available. Get a run stopper. Let me ask you a question real quick before you get into other picks. One thing that's grown on me these Mm -hmm. last few days has been the idea of Justin Fields. Yeah. Becoming a Raider and partially because Champ Kelly, who's the current GM of the Raiders that with, you know, interim status, of course, was there in Chicago when the the Bears drafted Fields and has been there, obviously, going up these past few years. Yeah. How much do you think you would have to give up for a field trade? Are you giving up, you know, multiple first rounders or is it something that you're likely giving up, you know, a second rounder and a third? I think you could do a, a second or a third, but you probably have to give a player. What I think it's going to be, since they already have two first round picks this year, Chicago, maybe they'd ask for your next year first round pick. Yeah. So you'd have to make sure you had a bridge quarterback in case, uh, you know, shit hits the fan next year. I'd be cool with Fields, man. I'm honestly yeah. cool with it. I would like, obviously, Jaden Daniels is my number one, but Fields probably is my two, unless we're doing something crazy and trade up for Drake May or Caleb Williams. Of yeah, obviously that's an option too. I just uh, wasn't doing trades this time around for the 10-man, but I'm sure sometime throughout the next couple of weeks, maybe when the regular season's over, we'll get the full 32-man with projected trades and we'll... We'll talk about all the players who won't go in the first round, probably. I just had a revelation. Why Why yeah. wouldn't we trade up for the number one pick, realistically? Like, if we, you know, give up this year's first round mm-hmm. or give up next year's first rounder and, like, the second, third, and whatever, why the fuck not? I mean, you got a roster. Caleb Williams it was quarterback of this offense. I mean, sorry, I just... Yeah, kind of got off on tangent there, but no, 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 I get it. Fired up for a second. I think the only reason is probably if if they decide that pick is untouchable. Yeah, they trade for Fields. Well, all right, that was a you know quick little thirteen team mock draft. So uh, you know we're on the spirit of college football here. Let's get into some of the notable bowl games coming up. It's going to be an exciting week. We got bowl games every single night. It's that time of year. Of course, we got the college football playoff games, New Year's Day, but there's a couple of games in between we should talk about. We got Kansas and UNLV tonight, two four lost teams, nine and four UNLV, second in the mountain, eight and four Kansas, young quarterback uh, Jamal Bean, who uh, sometimes I like to bet is overs. Um, interesting tonight, just something to, to look at. But the big one, number 14, Arizona against number 12, Oklahoma at the Alamo Bowl. This is an awesome one because Dylan Gabriel's gone. Oklahoma will be starting, most likely, the freshman Jackson Arnold, former five-star. He'll be going up against freshman five-star Noah Fafita, two guys who um, have have bright careers coming up. And not a lot of guys sitting out like all the other top schools. You know, five against six, Georgia-Florida State. You would expect that to be an awesome game, but there's going to be no NFL players playing in that game. There's no reason to get super locked in. But anyways, what, what we came here for, the playoff, we know the times and the dates now. Number one, Michigan against number four, Alabama. I like Bama. I do. We'll get more into that in a second. Um, I do, too. You got to throw the ball to beat Bama. We don't know if they can. And the other semifinal game, number two, Washington against number three, Texas. Quinn Ewers coming back, we know now. So he's got 
a lot to prove. Michael Panics, perfect season on the line. The history of the Pac-12. Toss-up, man. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll be rooting for Washington. I think you will. Yeah, I'll pull for Washington. Well, all right, we're kind of running out of time, so you got some MLB stuff for me, Cal? Yeah, moving quick through the MLB stuff that we've had over this past week. It's kind of all jumbled, so it's not going to be in chronological order. But last thing that we talked about was Lourdes Gurriel going back to the Diamondbacks on a three-year, $42 million contract. We had a massive contract about four or five days ago, and that was Yoshinobu Yamamoto heading to the Los Angeles Dodgers on a 12-year, $325 million contract. None of that is deferred, so we won't be seeing any Shohei-type thing going on there. The Dodgers also had to pay a $50 million uh, posting fee from the Oryx Buffaloes, I believe. Yeah. I don't know exactly where that money goes to. I don't know if it goes to Yamamoto or if it goes to the team. But regardless, a lot of money spent by the Dodgers and a lot of money going to the country of Japan. Next up is another Japanese player, Yuki Matsui, signing a five-year, $28 million deal with the San Diego Padres, left-handed reliever who's been one of the best save guys in the MPB these last few years. And he goes over to the Padres, who obviously needs some help in the back of their bullpen with no Josh Hader anymore. Yeah, I like it. We got Mitch Garver, two-year, $24 million deal, staying in the division of the AL West, almost at AFC but size of the Seattle Mariners here now becomes the catching tandem of him and Cal Raleigh. Pretty good job by the Mariners there. If they're going to spend money on somebody, I think that's a good contract to give out. Uh, next up, Andrew McCutcheon returns back to the Pirates. I don't know if we talked about that at all last year. One year, $5 million. Only needs one home run for 300 I guess. So get that 300 in First the back of uniform. Oof. We're not getting into that right now. If only seven minutes <laughs> so, left. Maybe next episode. Uh, yeah. Next up is we had the Mets add a starting pitcher from the Brewers. That is Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor to the Brewers for minor league pitcher Coleman Crow, who I don't really know anything about. Uh, and then we also had a ton of small moves. We had Diego Casillo signed with the Rangers on a minor league deal. Hunter Renfro signed on a one-year contract with the Kansas City Royals again. Shout out the Kansas City Royals for spending some money mm-hmm. this goddamn offseason. So great job to them. Uh, Trevor Gott signed with the A's. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Eric Haas signed a one-year contract with the Milwaukee Brewers, a guy who had a good season a few years ago with Detroit. Has been shit pretty much ever since. So Cleveland or not Cleveland, Miami, not Miami, Milwaukee possibly gets a backup catcher there. Uh, Juan Yepes, minor league deal with the Washington Nationals. We saw Yammer Candelario do a similar thing last year. It worked out for him, so maybe it works out for Juan Yepes here. Luis Patino, who has bounced around a ton of times. He went to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, was on the White Sox. He had claimed off of waivers by the San Diego Padres, so he's back where it all started for him. Tom Murphy goes to the Giants. If you're a Giants fan, I'm sorry. They made a hype-up video for this signing, which is absolutely terrible. Uh, and then we got Sorry, a small trade today uh, with Esteban Florial heading to Cleveland. Prospect that was kind of had a t- some attention four or five years ago. Yankees Has- lost a bunch of pitchers in the Rule 5 draft, so. Yeah, is what it is. Uh, anyways, that'll do it for the hot stove tracker right now. We still got Snell, Bellinger, 
couple other guys that we need to sign that are big names like Josh Hader, Jordan Montgomery, JD Martinez, Matt Chapman, Jorge Soler, Teoscar Hernandez. And hopefully they don't sign in mid-May. Hopefully they sign within the next few weeks so we know I, what's going on. I did get a text today. The rumors are the next big thing that's happening, Dodgers in Cleveland, Shane Bieber in Class A. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked. Nothing's confirmed, but that's that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Moving on, though, to our layups and bold predictions. I had Buffalo minus 11. That did not happen. Uh, Skyler had Tampa Bay minus one versus Jacksonville. Clap it up for Skyler. Great Thank job you. there. That's a good pick. This week, I have Detroit plus six against Dallas. I know Dallas has been amazing at home. I don't think it's going to be a touchdown game, though. I think, especially with the run game of Detroit, it's going to be a lot closer than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a similar strategy uh, for the game that didn't work for you last week, so hopefully I got some you know, help from the football gods. Philly minus ten and a half against Arizona. You know, you just heard it a couple minutes ago. I have Philly winning two playoff games, so that means they're going to have to get back on track at some point this season. And we'll start here. Bold prediction last week, I didn't have one. I originally had Cleveland over Houston when C.J. Stroud was still in. Obviously, was out. Line changed. I couldn't make that pick. And Cleveland won by a ton. So only if we did the podcast about eight hours earlier, it would have been <laughs> nice. But uh, obviously, I didn't have a pick. So over one this week, Skyler had Indianapolis over Atlanta. Man, Keep that's a rough one. 19-point victory for Atlanta. Did not see that one coming. I like that pick that you had, too. I think I even said that last week. Yeah. Uh, this week, I got the Raiders beating the Colts. It is a three-point spread right now in favor of the Colts, of course. Got to ride the hot hand. Uh, and I don't think a Gardner Minshew defense should – or a Gardner Minshew-led offense should beat our defense right now. And if it does, uh, I'd probably, I'm probably going to be upset. So Then you're going to need Jerzon Newton in the draft. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I hinted at it earlier. My bold prediction is going to be Alabama beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Michigan hasn't had to throw the ball deep. You have to do that against Bama, man. They have a really good pass rush and two great corners on the boundary. I think Michigan's in trouble. By the way, I would not bet anything on that uh, that Cotton Bowl, though. Texas, Washington, that, that one's going to be um, crazy, to say the least here. The over. Yeah. Yeah, over should 95 and a half? No. <laughs> Anyways, that is going to do it for our episode today. Let me actually see what that over-under is for mm. that Washington-Texas game. We're looking at 63 and a half. Okay. I'd take that if I were. But uh, regardless, that's going to do it. We will see you all next time. We'll see you in the new year. How about that? It'll yeah. be 2024. This is our last episode of the 2023 calendar year, depending what calendar you're using. That is, of course. But Mine. anyways, Merry Christmas, to everybody. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2024. We'll see you guys in a year or next year, however you prefer it. For 173. Mm-hmm. All right. See you next time. Go. Later. Go Huskies. Sure. Go back to all. Yeah. Oh, yeah.